Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. So I, I told you a, a few weeks ago about a hike that I had with my daughter where we went off of the, the regular path, and we ended up in this beautiful open space. And it was an incredibly um, beautiful, peaceful, serene area. And that's where we decided to, uh, to just go ahead and put our blanket down and we had lunch. And the only reason that we got there, though, was that we went off of the, the wide path and we went into a very, very narrow path, almost kind of carving our own path. But, but at the end of the day, it was going off from what the, the larger body of people that hike that area do. And we found a smaller, much smaller path. And as I think about that, I think about many of the beautiful places that, that we will end up. If you think about one of the most beautiful places that you've been, there's a good chance that it's off the beaten path. There's a good chance that that most beautiful scenery is not frequented by, by thousands and thousands and thousands of people. There's a good chance. And so for the, the, the sake of illustration, I, I think about, I, I looked around, what are the places that are beautiful but hard to get to? And if you're using your Bible app, um, I want to encourage you to, uh, to take a glimpse. There's a few that are listed there. The Havasu Falls in Arizona, here's the description of this area. One of the most stunning waterfalls in the United States is also one of the hardest to visit. Havasu Falls are on the Havasapi Reservation near Grand Canyon, and the tribe strictly controls access. Permits, which require an overnight visit, sell out quickly. And if you don't snag one, you better be in good shape. If you do snag one, you better be in good shape. It's a 20-mile round-trip hike with tough terrain and the hot Arizona sun to contend with. So if you want this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful scenery, first, it's hard. They control the area. Then it's a 20-mile hike. It's not just right off the highway. And, and the, another one you see there, the Ciudad Peridia, Colombia. An alternative to the overrun uh, Machu Picchu, Colombia Ciudad Peridia, or Lost City, predates the Peruvian sibling by more than 600 years. Archaeologists didn't discover this site until the 1970s, and most tourists will never lay eyes on it, since getting there requires a punishing 27-mile hike through the mountains. These beautiful places, wonderful places, but they're not on the highway. They're off smaller paths. Easter Island, you may have seen the image uh, that's associated with Easter Island, but its popularity with tourists, it belies just how remote it is. It's a staggering 2,200 miles from the coast of Chile. It's also the closest landmass to Port Nemo, the port of the Pacific Ocean, furthest from any land. Still, this small dot in the Pacific draws visitors eager to see the hundreds of Moai, the statues carved by indigenous people close to a thousand years ago. Again, beautiful, spectacular. Most of us, many of us, maybe all of us, will never see them with our own eyes. But you cannot get there just by following the highway. And as we dive in to the scriptures, let's use that as our backdrop 
to look in at, at, at Matthew 7. And I'm, I'm starting in at verse 12, but we'll come back to a few verses as well uh, above. But Matthew 7, let's, with that in mind, look at the Scriptures. Verse 12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. That is the what? Sorry. My bad. It's the golden rule. It's the golden rule. Whatever you would do, have somebody else do to you, you do to them. You, you do treat people the way that you want to be treated, right? It's the golden rule. This is one that we can kind of all say, yeah, amen, hearty amen, right? But with no founding in Scripture, we may be treating people like we want to be treated purely by the flesh. We may actually be treating people poorly because we're comfortable with being treated a certain way. We may be actually damaged and we're treating people the way that we're damaged. And so without the idea of the flesh, when we only take the golden rule in the secular society and we leave out God from it, we actually may be doing damage even though we're doing the, following the golden rule. But it says, so whatever you wish to do others would do to you, do also to them. This is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. Everybody say narrow gate. Narrow gate. We're called to enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is, what? Easy. That leads to destruction. And those who enter by it, the way that's wide, the way that's easy, those that enter that way, they're many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. If you're jotting notes today, I want to encourage you to jot this down. Being a kingdom citizen is simple, but it's not easy. Be being a kingdom citizen is simple, but it's not easy. As we talk about these beautiful places that you get to, the, the wonderful pictures, the wonderful tapestry of God's handiwork, when you think about those places, we can all look and just say, wow, they are amazing, but it's not, it's not easy to get there. Is it simple? Sure. Follow that, follow that uh, path for 27 miles, right? It, we, can, we know how to do it, but it's difficult. And even when we talk, think about the golden rule, we say, well, yeah, treat people the way you want to be treated. Well, what if the way you're used to being treated and what you're acceptable with is not acceptable in God's eyes? What if that you have been so beat up by the world around you? What if you've been so mistreated that you're treating people in a, in a broken way? And so the golden rule is not that simple. It involves Christ's perspective over what Christ says it should be. Well, then that means the, the road starts to get narrow, even in how we treat one another. It begins to change how we do it. We can't just have anything goes. It, it can't be as society teaches without Christ. Society essentially teaches, you do you and I'll do me. But what happens when we're in relationship to one another? Sometimes you doing you might be hurting me. And so that's why the, the narrow, it's more narrow for us to follow Christ even in the golden rule. But then it goes on to say, hey, don't, not even worry about how you treat each other. How about your relationship to, the, to God of heaven? How about your relationship to the King of kings? The scripture says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to where? Destruction. There, there is a highway that leads to destruction. It's wide. Everybody goes. All the fish are swimming it. You look around and you're like, yeah, that, that seems easy. I'll do that. But guys, don't you know that, that God doesn't want us to only do what is easy? 
God doesn't want us to look around the world around us and just go, what's going to be the easiest way to get by? Unfortunately, many of us are lulled into sleep to say that that's how I want to order my life. I want to order my life by whatever is the most easy to do. I want to find the path of least resistance in everything. And when we do that, we're saying, you know what? I want the wide path. Please, just give me whatever the wide path is, whatever's going to cause me. I I don't want to have to worry about other people. I don't want to worry about myself. I don't want to have to think very much about it. I just want want the easy way. But the scriptures are like, no, 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 Jesus is, it's, it's, it's simple. You come to Christ, but it's not easy. It's, you see, it's not easy. The easy path is almost never the kingdom path. The easy path is almost never the kingdom path. Why? Because it's not easy to confess. Have you ever done somebody wrong? And, and you've got that gut-wrenching feeling. You're finally coming to the place to where you realize like, yeah, I, I can't run from it. I'm the one that was wrong. And then you have this moment where you're just like, wow, I I need to tell them. And in fact, many relationships are ruined because we won't simply say out loud what other people can clearly see. (laughs) Like, like, we all know that you were the problem here. We all know that you were out of sorts. We all know you had a bad day. We all know that you, you didn't get enough sleep. We all know blah, 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 blah. It's not why you were that way. It's the fact that you did this thing when you were that way. And and, and when you did, you caused harm. Is it easy to confess? Not really. It's like, man, it's simple. I know I need to, but I've got to be humble enough, and I've got to come, and I've got to say, hey, this is exactly what I did wrong. And I want you to know, because why? Because the golden rule says that I need to treat you the way I would want to be treated. And if somebody had done me wrong, if somebody had harmed me or sinned against me, I would want them to acknowledge that and let me know that they're a safe place again because they're not going to continue to damage damage me. So is it easy? No, it's not easy to confess. How about repenting? Either to a person or to God. It's not easy to repent. It's saying that I'm ready to bury the old way of what I was doing. I I, I acknowledge that what I was doing was leading to destruction of of myself, of others, whatever it might be. But but I I need to be able to repent. I need to be able to turn around and do a 180 with my life. That's not easy. It's simple. We know we should, but it's not easy. How about forgiveness? That's the other side of the equation. How easy do you find it to be a person of forgiveness? That when when someone who has harmed you comes to you and they, 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 they have confessed, they have repented. How many of us, and you don't have to raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass you, how many of us would be honest and say, you know what, there's probably some truth to the fact that there's a little bit of, of forgiveness that needs to happen in my life. I probably am holding out something over somebody. I, when that person comes into the room, how do you feel? Do you, do you greet them joyfully as though it was the first time? Or do you go, oh, this and this and this and this is what they've done wrong? Forgiveness. Now, it's simple. We know that we're supposed to. We know as Christians that we're to forgive the way Christ forgave us. But is it easy? No. It's a narrow path. Sacrifice for others. We know that we're supposed to sacrifice for others. But are we, is it easy? Oh, that's that's it's not the wide path. How many of you guys understand that it is not the wide path in this world to just have people sacrificing for each other all the time? No, 
The average American, the average American is giving something like under 2% of their whole investment, their, their, all of their money, average is about 2% or less outside of themselves. And so it, it's clear the most rich people on the planet, look around, that's us, we don't find it easy to be charitable to humanity. It doesn't come easy. But it's supposed to be what we're called to do. Turning away from our flesh. An addiction, a struggle, a battle. Is it, is it easy? We simple. We know we should. So I'm taking time to walk you through because I want you to understand. The Christian life, the kingdom of heaven life. It's simple. We, we, we get what we're supposed to do, but it's not easy. And so for you and I, we can look at our lives and just go, man, what is the wide path that I'm following? What is the wide path that leads to destruction that is not good for me? That I need to turn back to Jesus. I need to repent. I need to ask him, what is the narrow way? Now, in the big picture of things, I think many of us that have been coming to church, you understand that the picture here is certainly um, salvation. As we're talking about Jesus, there's the wide path which just says, hey, be a good person. Well, what's good? Eh, what do you think's good? Well, if there's no standard, if there's no plumb line, if there's no straight line, then we can't judge squiggly lines. We, we can't look at what is crooked and call it crooked unless we know what is straight. And, and so as a result, part what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you could, there's a big path. There's a lot of people that are going to be running towards destruction. They're going to be running for an eternity away from God. But don't join the big crowd. Everything in our society says, look around and find out where the crowd is. Everything in culture says, look around and find out what the crowd is. When you turn on a, 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 a um, commercial, when you see a commercial, half the commercial is trying to convince you that you're in the minority for your thinking. Oh, you, you don't use our product? Well, everybody wants a good smile. You don't use our product? What, do you got a dirty house? And so we're, we're told, like, hey, you need, to, you need to come with the crowd. You need to do it. Everybody's doing it. And they'll tell you, this many of this package has been sold. This many people are using our product. And we're just like, wow, millions of people are using Sprint? Why am I over here on this network? Like, we, we, we're constantly told, like, hey, by the way, Sprint got bought, and we use Sprint, so now we're T-Mobile. Go T-Mobile. So, but for all of us, right, like, we're told constantly, you need to join the bigger group. You need to go where there's more. Why? Well, you don't want to be left out, do you? You don't, you don't want to be isolated. You don't want to be by yourself, do you? You don't want to be alone, do you? But Jesus is like, look, out of all the people in the world, it's easy to go down the path that leads to destruction. You're going to see lots of people going down that path. And they're going to believe in this, and they're going to believe in this, and they're going to believe in that. And they're going to say, well, maybe there even is no God at all. They're going to believe in that. And that path is wide. But narrow is the path. Narrow is the path that leads to life. And so you and I have to ask ourselves, which path are we on? Which path do we want to stay on? Christianity is not about following a crowd. Social media, peer pressure, even major corporations or wealthy individuals, they, they say, you know, what do I do with what I got? What do I do with this resource? Well, I want to push, the, I want to push the, the world's audience 
to, to funnel into my product so that, that I can continue to benefit. Or I want my philosophical position to be the dominant one, so I'm going to invest my resources and all my access to convince everybody to come down to my, to my level and do what I want. And so they push us towards the crowd. But Christianity is not about a crowd. Christianity is about Christ. We need to constantly ask ourselves, not what is the crowd doing, but what is Christ doing? If you walked out of here just with one thing that you said, you know, that's going to help me in my life and help me change the perspective of my life, that would be the question. What is Christ doing? When you wake up in the morning and you begin to think about your day and what your agenda looks like, what is Christ doing? What's Christ doing in my life right now? What is Christ doing in the lives of my neighbors and friends? What is Christ doing in my family? What is Christ doing? But we often, so often, we pick our, our eyes up, we, we um, wake up, we turn and grab our phones, and we immediately ask ourselves, what's the world doing? What's the latest news? What's the headline that I'm supposed to think about today? Who am I mad at right now? What injustice am I focused on in the moment? And, and when we do that, it's not that the injustices necessarily are, are, are bad. But the difference is, as a Christian, I don't start here. I don't start with what's the crowd doing. I don't start with what the media company of, of the left or the right wants me to think about today. I, I just don't start there. I, I, I start here. I say, Christ, what are you doing in my life? This is a more narrow way to go because I, I've got to look and now I, I've got to understand how this word applies to me. I've got to think about how I've been treating my wife and my children and I've got to say, Lord, how does that apply to me? Before I start looking at you, before I start casting aspersions on other people, I've got to do some work here. And then after I've done the work here, I can set this down, but now I'm saying, okay, Lord, what are you doing? And so now when I interact with my coworkers, what, what is Christ doing in their life? As I interact with the world, what is Christ doing? As I think about what the media is pushing, what is Christ doing in all this? How can I join Jesus even in all of this? And at the end of the day, it's simple, but it's not easy. The scripture goes on with this thought in verse 15. Beware of false prophets. Everybody say beware. Beware of false prophets. I'm asking you to do that because in a second, I'm going to show you that we often, our niceties lead us to um, not really follow the narrow path. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, innocently, nicely, smiling, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Ravenous wolves. This is the expression, the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? You understand that picture? So many cartoons growing up, you saw it. The, the evil wolf's trying to get in, and so he just throws over a sheep's blanket and just tries to get in among the herd. That's biblical. Like, that's the picture here. Like, hey, be careful. There are people who put themselves out as prophets, but inside, the ravenous wolves. You will recognize. Everybody say recognize. Recognize. It's important. You will recognize them by their what? Fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from t thistles? Are, are, are grapes from thorn bushes, figs from thistles? Are, it, it, do, are we gathering the fruit from a different kind of tree? And so he's saying, hey, watch out for prophets that aren't really 
prophets. Verse 17, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears what? Bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is what? Cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. You see, being a kingdom citizen means our fruit much, must match our root. The fruit of our lives has to look like it matches a life being rooted in Jesus. The, the fruit of our living should look like it's getting nourishment from King Jesus. What we're giving out to others, what we're spewing to others, that should look like that person has walked with Jesus. And so it's speaking here about prophets, people that would be in like my role or your role maybe, and, and you go out and you say, hey, here, this, is, this is who God is. This is who God is. This is what God says. And so the scriptures are saying, hey, there are going to be people that even come out and say, yeah, 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 I, I stand with God. But their fruit doesn't look like it. The fruit of their lives look completely different. It looks like everyone else in the wide path. Everyone else that's headed for destruction. The fruit looks like everything else does. And so the scripture's saying, hey, you're going to know by their fruit. And, and, and the scripture's using words like healthy or diseased. So often, our fruit shows what we're attached to. That's the root. But the wrong fruit comes from the wrong root. And so we're being told right now in Scripture, you should look at the fruit of a person's life. You should look at how they treat other people. You should look at what makes them sad. You should do that. Matthew 15, 18 says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. That whatever the mouth speaks, it was first originated in the human heart. And so the scriptures tell us, like, listen, when you interact with Shadrach, you as a Christ follower have a right, and you should. It's good discernment to just look and say, what is the product? What is Shadrach putting out of himself? That's the fruit of his life. And so the scriptures are saying, you know what, there, there's a wide path that everybody does, but then there's this narrow path that it looks like somebody's been with Jesus. What they care about's different. What they invest in is different. What, what concerns them, what stirs their heart is different. And we're supposed to, based on scripture, be able to look and say, Shadrach, I don't, I'm not sure about that fruit, bro. Like, I, I'm not sure if that's really what Jesus would want. But what is it that we're told out of context completely. What are we told constantly? What are, what are you conditioned to believe by a world that doesn't really care about getting to the Scriptures except for a verse they can use once in a while? What is it that you hear? Don't judge. Don't judge. You know, the Bible says, the Bible says don't judge. Really? What else does it say? Well, I don't know. I just... Don't judge. No, the, the issue is not don't judge. The, the issue is the fact that you're supposed to inspect fruit. It is time for a fruit inspection. It is time for a fruit inspection. Have you ever gone 
too, too giant or your favorite produce moms or organic market. Have you ever gone there and watched people inspect their fruit? Like if you haven't done this, do this. Do some people watching next time. Maybe this afternoon for fun. Just be like, let's see what the preacher knows what he's talking about. Just go stand at the end of a fruit aisle. And, and you're going to watch people do all kinds of things to decide if they want a piece of fruit. They're, they're going to start and they're going to be squeezing it. You're going to hear people, they're gonna, I've seen, have you seen this? They pluck it and they listen. Right? People shake it. Is anything moving or is it solid? And you just watch how people seriously inspect their fruit before. Because you, you can't sit, I mean, you shouldn't bite into it, right? You can't just be like, nah, don't want that one. So since you can't bite on the inside, since you can't get to the inside of that piece of fruit, you, you do these things on the outside. You try to find out the consistency, how soft is it, you smell it. And you're doing all this because what, you don't want what's rotten on the inside to get into your body. And so you do some work on the outside. You do some fruit inspections. And, and Jesus is using that same illustration. He's like, you know what? You need to look at the, the fruit of people's lives. You need to inspect some fruit. For you and I, we have to ask these questions. Here's a way to inspect your own fruit. When you do something that you feel like is, is off, or maybe somebody comes to you and they say, hey, I think this might be off. What if you ask questions like, where did that come from in me? When I snapped at that person, when I was angry, when I was sad, when I was when I got emotional over something, what, what was it that was doing that? It might be you have trauma that you haven't dealt with. It, it may not be that you're, you're tied into the wrong fruit and evil. It might be that, that there's some trauma. There's some stuff that you're responding to that wasn't really that circumstance. A lot of the damage that we do to one another, it's simply we're living out of, remember earlier I told you, that there's a lot of times we can live out of of broken roots. We can live out of places that wasn't healthy. And when we just try to apply the golden rule without doing any fruit inspection, we can begin treating people like we think is fine, but the rest of the world's looking and going, that's not normal. That's not fine. That's not healthy. And so fruit inspection says, hey, where did that come from in me? Why do I feel the way I do about that person, place, or thing? Where did that come from? Why do I feel the way I do? When you have somebody that, that walks into the room and you get tense, fruit inspection is, hey, why, why, do, why does that person rub me wrong? Fruit inspection says, listen, there's probably an answer. Jesus, I, I need you to show me the inside of myself. The psalmist constantly would write and just say, I want you to know everything part of me. I want every part of me to be open and visible to you. I, I want to lay this out. Why? Because it's not. It's simple. We understand that we're supposed to be Christ-like, but it's not easy. We, we have to let go of the wide path. We have to let go of the flesh. We have to open our hearts up and say, Jesus, do a work in me. In fact, the Bible doesn't say look at a person's, don't ever look at a person's fruit. The Bible doesn't say don't ever judge. What it says in Matthew 7, 1 through 3 is judge not lest you be judged. In the same way, the same manner. And so the scripture doesn't tell you, Christian, hey, you know what? When you're thinking about the wide path or the narrow path, the scripture doesn't tell you, hey, don't ever judge. Everything goes. 
That is the opposite of what Scripture says. What the Scripture says is, no, 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 you should judge. You should inspect some fruit. You should try to see, is that rooted in Jesus or is that rooted somewhere else? Because people are broken and people are messed up. And yes, people are, are deceiving. People could, the Scripture says that our own hearts deceive us. So we're supposed to be able to do some fruit inspection. But the scripture in Matthew 7, 1 3, go back up and read it if you want. And it says, hey, judge not lest you be judged with the same measure. And then it goes on to say, hey, don't talk about the other person's speck when you have a plank out hanging out of your own eye. So what is that verse actually talking about? Is it saying don't uh, uh, judge, don't look into fruit? No, it's not saying that. What it's saying is don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't spend your time trying to correct somebody else's flaw if you, in fact, are living with that same flaw. And if you go back and you read Matthew 1 through 6 before you get to this passage, look at how many times you see hypocrite. Look at how many times that in the book of Matthew, when we're talking about this kingdom of heaven, the, the, the call is, hey, Christian, don't be a hypocrite. Don't call people to this narrow road of Jesus and you live on this wide path of destruction. Don't do that. It's confusing. And it doesn't point them to Jesus. But you go, but, but for the sometimes when I talk about Jesus, that's good. No, it's probably not. It might be better if they never knew you were a Christian. Because now they're just getting a bad picture of a Christian. And so why, it's why it's so important. The scripture over and over and over in the first six books of Matthew are saying, hey, you know what? Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. And then it says, hey, if you want to get around to doing things right, don't jump in and start judging people that you're doing the same thing. Get your own heart right first. Inspect your own fruit first. But listen, hear me out. Once you know that you and God are right on that issue, once you've had that refining work done in your own life, then you're in a position, hear me out, then you're in a position to look at your brother or sister and say, hey, I'm, I'm seeing this in you. But here's, can I tell you something? Here's a beautiful thing about, about what God does. When you do that, your spirit is going to be a co-laborer in that burden sharing. Your, your spirit is not going to come across judgmental. It's not going to come across critical. It's not going to look like you get joy and glee out of bringing this up. The way you're going to tell a person has had that refining work in their own life and they're not just trying to control people is that it, they, their heart is broken, but they don't want you to keep living in brokenness. And so when a person's been through the refining fire, let's say it's gossip. Let's say for years and years and years they were a gossip and then they realized and they confessed that sin and they broke that down and they could, repented of it and they did the hard work and, and, and now they've, they've worked really, really hard to, to not gossip. To be on the narrow road of not defiling God by, by being a gossip. And then they come and they go, man, you're, you're, you're gossiping. They're going to do it in a humble way. So then the scripture unfortunately goes and it says, you know, I never knew you. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we did, not did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do a lot of work in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Being a kingdom citizen means being known by the king. Being known by the king. 
Yes, we should be doing the good work. Yes, our fruit should match. But the problem is, is that even if we're doing the right thing, but we're doing it with the wrong heart, we're still disconnected from God. We've got to have the fruit, yes. I prophesied in your name and I took care of people and I was generous and I was kind. All you're saying is, my religion is works-based. And God's saying, you know, depart from me. I never knew you. Your root wasn't tied in with me. Yeah, you did some right things. But did you know me? Did I know you? In one sense, God knows everything about everyone. That's absolutely true. In another sense, we make ourselves known to God. This Christian walk, the thing that is simple but not easy, is that we make ourselves known to God. We say, God, you already know my inward parts, but I want to let them be known to you. I want to do the work of having you close. In one sense, our fruit needs to match the godly root. In another sense, our fruit may, be actually, may not actually be connected to the root. If we're simply doing church, we can fool people, but we'll never fool God. If we're simply pretending to show the fruit of repentance, again, we cannot fool God. Let us live so that our best fruit is attached to the best root. Our purpose is to know God and make Him known. John 17.3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. What is this all about? It's that we know God. And our fruit comes out of that root of knowing Him. Being a kingdom citizen here on earth is about being tapped in, tied in, to Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the vine, we're the branch. All of our nourishment comes from Him. And you and I simply saying, my work every day is not to impress you. My work is not to impress the elders of the church or to make sure Shadrach thinks I'm somebody. My work every day is to be connected to Jesus. And if I'm connected to Jesus, the fruit of my life is going to show it. Amen? And for you and for I, We can go out in this world this week. And let's not make our first move to try to be judgmental of those around us. Let's make our first move to say, hey, am I right with God today? I'm not worried about the crowd. I'm worried about Christ. And if we'll do that, we'll find ourselves in great shape sharing the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, I pray right now for anybody that says, you know, maybe I'm disconnected from the root. I pray right now, Lord, that, that we would refine that, that we would make that right, that we would take some time in the secret place, we would close the door behind us, and we would pray, and we would get things right with you. Father, I pray for anybody who is uh, living out of some pain in their past or hurt or sin. I pray that each one of us, God, would be able to, to, to love others well, and we would live out of the right root. Father, would you do a great work in us so that we can do a great work in the world? We love you. Thank you for loving us so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.